Lord, whether it's in our singing or as we sit under the ministry of the word, Lord, we pray that you would receive all the glory and all the honor and all the adoration, Lord, but that we would have ears to hear, Lord, our ears and our hearts would be open to be transformed, to be changed, Lord, not to be stuck in our idea of how things need to happen this morning, but the way you want to lead us and what you want to do in us. Even if we came with no expectation at all of change this morning, I pray right now in your precious name that you would stir faith in us for freedom, faith for deliverance. I feel like there's some people here today, and you need to be set free, and God's going to do that this morning, that, there's, that, that he would stir faith for healing in this place, that he would stir faith for breakthrough, that some of the things you've been crying out for, maybe for, for, for weeks or months or even years, He's saying the breakthrough is coming. To travail, don't stop. Don't stop pressing in, but keep travailing. Keep pressing into him. Keep believing. We've had an amazing uh, uh, weekend so far, and it's, it's great to be with you. And to be able to bring a team from Melbourne Lights Church, we've been praying for you. We pray for you often. We have a team with us. Um, my wife, Elodie, Bethany from Melbourne Lights, Hans, Bonnie and my son Hugo and Henry, who's out with the kids. Um, why don't you welcome them this morning? And it's also great to have Dale and Angela with us. I think most of you guys know Dale and Angela. If you don't, this is Dale and Angela. They uh, are an amazing couple, and they're also part of the NCMI team, and um, they're a blessing. And so they're based in Sydney at the moment. <laughs> Just, I'm joking, I'm joking, that wasn't prophetic. Well, maybe it was, but... Um, oh, hello. Sorry. Just as we're moving through, um, there's a nature strip near Russ and Mary's house, and it is the most green, lush lawn. And either side of it, the lawns are full of weeds and quite brown. And I just felt like this morning God's done and doing something lush and green in a lot of you, but it takes um, consistency to keep the weeds out and to keep it green. And what you can do, which this person didn't do, is share that with your neighbours and take it beyond. (laughs) And every time I walked by, I was like, Jesus, more. But like, just a reminder that um, don't look on the... I know like Matthew tries with our lawn and he gets upset about our neighbours with weeds, but instead of looking at them with disdain that they have weeds, would we be the ones that partner with them and pray them through that place into the lush green place that God has for them? Good word, good word. It's amazing. You know, it's good to receive a, a word like that. You know, like, we don't clap because we're, um, you know, spectators. We clap because there's actually honor in receiving what God's saying. Um, I think it's just, a, I'm, not, I'm not berating your clapping. I'm just saying that if you're going to clap, clap and receive it and honor whoever brings a word and whether they're praying or they're bringing something because honor is the conduit by which we receive what God wants to do. Um, so in the book of Genesis, it says that we're going to go all the way through the Bible this morning. I hope you settled in for it now. I'm just, just joking. But it does say in Genesis that we were created. Part of our purpose was for relationship and for rulership. And we see that worked out, and I know that, that my dad has taught this uh, in this church before, but we see that worked out in the Old Testament through the tabernacle and the promised land. Um, in the New Testament or in the New Covenant, we have relationship with God through Jesus, and we partner with him to extend his kingdom, which is the rulership aspect. 
So the, the, the relationship with God is a free gift. We can't do anything to earn it or deserve it. It's by grace. It's through faith by grace alone. It's a free gift. The rulership or the partnership in advancing the kingdom requires our obedience. If we don't understand that at the very beginning, then we start to think that, that, that our obedience or what we do somehow earns us more of God's favor or more of his presence or more access to his presence, and we get it backwards. Salvation, access to his presence, identity, who we are in him is a free gift that we do nothing to earn. But impact, effectiveness in the kingdom, what we're called to do requires obedience. That doesn't earn us more of his favor or more of his love or more of his acceptance, but it does make us more effective. And we can't partner with God unless we're willing to do what he says. A lot of time we talk about partnering with God and what he wants to do and reaching the lost and making disciples and reaching our city and praying for our city, saying let it rain over our city. But if we're not, if you and I today are not willing to do what he says, then those are words of the hypocrites. We're like the Pharisees who Jesus calls whitewashed graves full of dead bones. And I'm glad that God is a God who makes bones come to life. And I pray that some of that's going to happen this morning. But buckle your seatbelts because we're going to go on a ride. Um, this obedience obviously applies to us individually, but it can also apply to us together as a church. Because God wants us as a people together. If he's added you to this local church, then he's called us together to obey what he's saying, both to us personally, but to respond in obedience to what he's saying together as a church with the people that he's added us to. So it's not me and my ministry and my thing, and hopefully if I'm part of a church, then they'll resource what God's told me to do. Welcome. Air conditioning. I love it. It's so dramatic. Um, no, no. If God's added us together to other people, it's not an organization. People are the church. Then we have a responsibility together to obey what he's saying to us as a church. For us to do that, there's a couple caveats. We have to know what he's saying to us. We need to be listening to the voice of God. Now, I'm not going to speak this morning about uh, how do we hear God's voice. That's for another person for another time. But we need to be able to hear what he's saying. We don't just make, up, make it up. This is what we're called to do. We have to hear what he's saying to us. This church has been in existence for, is it, is it five and a half years? Almost six years. Wow. I was here. Most of you guys might not know this. But before this church launched in September... 2017, Elodie and I flew down with Tim and Kate and mom and dad and Stephen, um, Barb, and a couple other people were there. Dale and Angela were here as well, and a few other people, um, and prayed about what God wanted to do in a, seeing a church established here. Had no idea what that was going to look like, whether anything was going to happen. We just knew that there was, there was a, an opportunity, there were some people, and God was beginning to stir. Fast forward just over six years later, that was September, this is November 2023, and all, over all those years, even before the church started, there are many things that the Lord has declared over this church. One of them is that it would be a church that sees dry bones or dead bones come to life, that would restore. Since before this church was, the, the lampstand was established, before you ever heard about it, Maybe God started to stir something in your heart and you thought something might happen. Well, before it ever happened, God was speaking. 
He's been declaring things over this church. Matthew 16, verse 18, Jesus says, I will build my church and the gates of hell won't prevail. This church is Jesus' plan, not Russ and Mary's plan, not Tim and Kate's plan, not NCMI team's plan. It's Jesus' plan, and he's building it. And some of the things that the Lord has spoken over this church, you are already walking in. But some have yet to be fully realized. And it requires our yes, and it requires us to lean in to what he wants to do and to be a part of it together for it to be fully realized. In Numbers 23, verse 19, it says, God is not a man that he should lie or a son of man that he should change his mind. Has he said, (coughs) oh my gosh, has he said and will he not do it? Or has he spoken and will he not fulfill it? He doesn't change. Joshua 21, 45, not one word of all the good promises of the Lord that he has made to the house of Israel had failed, all came to pass. God is faithful to his word. He always has been, and he always will be. And I believe that one of the things that God has called you to be as a local church is a base church. Now, I don't know if that's a phrase or a term that you have heard before. I don't know if it's something that you've talked about all the time or you've never talked about at all. But I believe God has called you to be a base church. God's called you to be a church that is well-established with solid and deep foundations. You know, Jesus is the foundation that will have impact, though, both in Launceston and into the regions and the cities and the nation and the nations. Remember the church is people. The church is not an organization. The church is not a building. It really doesn't matter where you meet, although this building is lovely and amazing and well done um, on your faithfulness in, in taking possession. It's not, no, it's not yours. Just joking, Steve. I'm not taking possession, but renting an amazing facility and being part of actually helping uh, City Mission in, in their mission. The church is people, though. When God says you are a base church, you will be well-established, you will be ascending people. He's talking about people, not just a place. I believe one of the things that God's called you to be is a base church. And uh, in Psalm 87, verse 5, it says, um, and of Zion, it's talking about the church in the new covenant, it will be said, this one and that one were born in her, and the Most High himself shall establish her. I love that scripture because I think about my kids. And the church that we get, Elodie and I have the privilege of leading the team at Melbourne Lights Church, then that church was planted uh, by Jesus with my parents. And now we're leading it. And I get to see my kids who were born in the church beginning to serve and play a role in the church, being established. They weren't actually born in the building. That's a little bit because it's not about the building, but they were born in, uh, actually, Bethany's here, and Bethany delivered both our boys because she's a midwife. Um, so anyway, let's not get sidetracked on birth, birth stories. I believe God's called you to be a model for what he wants to do in Australia. But in order for that to happen, we have to have pliable hearts. We have to be willing to say yes and to lean in. And for the things to maybe look different than what we think they should look like or they will look like or what we're comfortable with them looking like. Ephesians 6 verse 10 says, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength or the power of his might. 
That's prophetic over you today. Micah 5 verse 4. And he shall stand and shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord and in the majesty of the name of the Lord, the Lord is God. And they shall dwell secure, for now he shall be great to the ends of the earth. When I was praying for you, and I talked a little bit about this on Friday night in uh, the equip time, but I see a church of generations. Psalm 145 verse 4 says, One generation shall commend your works to another and shall declare your mighty acts. Acts 2 verse 17, quoting from Joel 2.28, says, In the last days it shall be, uh, God declares, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Can you say all flesh? And your sons and daughters shall prophesy, your, mu- your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. Who's uh, still seeing visions? Who's dreaming dreams? It doesn't matter whether you're seeing the visions or dreaming the dreams. God wants to pour out his spirit on all flesh. I see families and kids and young people and old people. I see waves or streams of people coming in, getting trained, being sent out. You, you already are a base church, whether you know it or not, because God's declared it over you. But I see, I, I see a conduit or a pipe, and what he pours into you, he will pour out. And you'll pour out people and talents and gifts and finances. And God's saying, don't store it up. Have a giving hand. Have an open hand. And that's not just the word for leaders. That's a word for all of us. Because when God sends, it's hard for all of us. When God pours in and calls us to release, it's not just the leaders who have to work that through. But when we build relationally, there's a relational dynamic and aspect of the sending that actually takes all of our hearts to be open to say, yes, we want to send. Yes, we want to release. Yes, also my finances. Yes, also my, yes, all go to the nations. See, a base church isn't a church just with a missions mentality that says we'll send some missionaries and tick the box of nations. It's a people whose hearts are set on pilgrimage who say, God, if you say go, we will go. Not if you say go, we will send somebody else. But if you say go, we say we'll go. Being a base church is a heart attitude that says we exist for the benefit of others. And I know you already have this heart. But I believe the Lord wants to establish and strengthen a base even while you continue to send and to sow because you're called to be a base. And this morning, I just want to unpack briefly a few things of what does it mean to be a base church. So would you turn with me to Acts chapter 19, please? What does it mean or what does it look like to be a base church. I think Acts chapter 19 is a picture of a base church. It's a picture of the church in Ephesus. Um, And it says this from verse 1 to 10. And it happened that while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul passed through the inland country and came to Ephesus. There he found some disciples and he said to them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? I love that the first thing he asked when he found the disciples was, did you receive the Holy Spirit? doesn't say how long they've been disciples. He just said he found some disciples. He didn't ask them, how much do you know? Did you see Jesus in the flesh? Um, have you been baptized with water? Who said, just first thing, have you received the Holy Spirit? If you haven't received the Holy Spirit, when we finish, we're going to give an opportunity today for you to receive the Holy Spirit. He said, have you received the Holy Spirit? And he said, uh, sorry, what? And, and he said to them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they said, no, we haven't even heard there was a Holy Spirit. <laughs> okay, cool, they're honest. 
And he said to them, into what were you baptized then? And they said, into John's baptism. And Paul said, John's ba- John baptized with the baptism of repentance, telling people to believe in the one who was to come after him, that is Jesus. On hearing this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul had laid hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them, and they began speaking in tongues and prophesying. There were about 12 men in all. There were about 12 men in all. And he entered the synagogue and for three months spoke boldly, reasoning and persuading them about the kingdom of God. I love it. And, but then some became stubborn and, con- oh, hello. and continued in unbelief, speaking evil of the way before the congregation. So he withdrew from them, took the disciples with him, um, and reasoned daily in the hall of Tyrannus. This continued for two years so that all the residents of Asia heard the word of the Lord, both Jews and Greeks. Don't be surprised that when you're full of the Holy Spirit and you begin to speak about Jesus, that some people will become hard-hearted, pig-headed, and stay like the Pharisees and not receive. We pray that people will have open hearts to receive what God wants to do, but sometimes they don't. And then, when they don't, it's time to move and find people who do. Let's jump down to verse 17. It says this in verse 17. And this became known to all the residents of Ephesus, both Jews and Greeks, and fear fell upon them all, and the name of the Lord Jesus was extolled. Verse 20. So the word of the Lord continued to increase and prevail mightily. Verse 21, now after these events, Paul resolved in the spirit to pass through Macedonia and Achaia and go to Jerusalem, saying, after I have been there, I must also see Rome. And having sent into Macedonia two of his helpers, Timothy and Erastus, he himself stayed in Asia for a while. About that time, there arose no little disturbance about the way. No little disturbance. That means there was a big disturbance. I don't know why they decided to use no little but it just means there was a big disturbance about the way. For a man named Demetrius, a silversmith who made silver shrines to Artemis, um, brought no little business, brought a lot of business, to the craftsmen. These he gathered together with the workmen in similar trades and said, men, you know that from this business we have our wealth. And you see in here that not only in Ephesus, but in most of Asia, this is the point, this Paul has persuaded and turned away many people, a great many people, saying that the gods made with hands are not gods. When people started responding to Jesus, it was messing up other people's businesses. That's a reality. There's some actual practical realities to people getting radically saved, filled with the Holy Spirit, set free. Some things have to change. There's some businesses that can't continue when the, when the owners of those businesses get radically saved. Just because things are legal in our nation doesn't mean that they're right in the kingdom. It's a picture of the base church. And being a base, can I start with this, is not about size. The church in Ephesus started with Paul, and it says 12 men, or maybe probably 12 families. We know from historical accounts, if you read about the church in Ephesus, because Timothy ends up leading the church in Ephesus, that it grew to be more than 100,000 people. So it's not about size, because its impact wasn't determined by its size. Its impact started from the very beginning with 12 families, and it didn't matter whether it was 12 families or 100,000 people. This church that, that, that Acts 19 is talking about was a church of impact. 
A base church, firstly, has a heart attitude that says we exist for the benefit of others. Is that your heart attitude? Not what I get out of this, but what can I bring? You might be here for the first time this morning and go, what the heck is this guy talking about? I don't apologize because this is the kingdom, but I do, do hope that, that, uh, that there's an easy on-ramp for you. So if you're like, this is way over my head, come and talk to Tim afterwards, and he will lovingly and pastorally help you come in to this. When we truly have a revelation that we exist for more than just ourselves, that we exist for the benefit of others, it totally changes everything. What does it change? It causes us to think differently. We begin to think, how can I help? How can I serve not just the church, but those around me? If I exist for the benefit of others, how can I serve the people in my sphere of influence? What skills or talents or resources has God given me to bring to reach others? What's needed to reach my city? What's needed to reach the areas or the ages that we're not having impact in yet? I look around this church and there's, there's, it's multi-generational. And I love that. It's a, it's a church of different generations. But can I, be, uh, can I be honest and say it's not very multi-ethnic? I see some different colors. But most of the people in here right now are quite Caucasian. And I know there's people in your city that God's called you to reach who are of different nationalities. What has God given you that you can use to help reach other people who have different backgrounds, different cultures, different nationalities? It causes us not just to think differently, but to act differently. We put others first. We choose others highest before our own, which is really what love is. Love is a choice for somebody else's highest. There's a, there, uh, there's a humility in putting others first. We serve without expectation of anything in return. It causes our priorities to change. Extending the kingdom becomes the central priority of our lives and everything else gets ordered around that. Is extending the kingdom the central priority of your life? It's all right, because if, we, if we're honest, most of us, if we're honest, most of us will say no. But we're, hopefully we're moving toward that. The decisions we make have different perspectives. There's a theme through Paul's writing in the New Testament, and the theme is this, Jesus, others, yourself. Jesus said, Paul, Paul says that you put Jesus first in all of your decision-making, in your life, in your love, then others. He says, think first of Jesus, then of others, then of yourself. Most of us get, do it the other way around. We think of maybe ourselves, then Jesus, then others, maybe ourselves, Jesus, family, kids, work, sport, and then others. The heart attitude of a base church is we exist for the benefit of others. It's Jesus, others, then ourselves. Secondly, a base church preaches Jesus in the power of the Spirit. Is there a clock in this room anywhere? Use my stuff. I'm going to do this. Glory. A base church preaches Jesus in the power of the Spirit. Acts 19, verse 4, 4 to 6 that we just read. Paul said, John, John baptized with the baptism of repentance. 
telling people to believe in the one who is to come after him, that is Jesus. On hearing this, they are baptized in the name of the, of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul had laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came upon them, and they began speaking in tongues and prophesying. This was the birth of the church in Ephesus. This wasn't the leaders meeting two years later where they're like, okay, now we need to begin to do outreach, so we need the power of this Holy Spirit. So we're gonna... This is like the very beginning. Hey, oh, you guys believe in Jesus. You're part of the way. Has, have you been filled with the Holy Spirit? We didn't even know there was a baptism of the Holy Spirit. Have you been baptized in water? We didn't, even, we didn't know about this stuff. All right, let's baptize you in water. Let's baptize you in the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit comes. It's birthed in power. The, the, the church in the book of Acts was birthed from the day of Pentecost and the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. We as New Covenant, New Testament believers were, should have been, but we are because we're an extension of the church that was birthed by the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Jesus says, wait until the Holy Spirit comes. So the believers then go into the upper room and they wait. They didn't go, no, we've got a good business plan. We're, gonna, we're ready to go. <clears throat> it goes to say, it goes on to say that Paul spoke boldly, reasoning and persuading with them about the kingdom of God. And God was doing extraordinary miracles by the hands of God, by, by the hands of Paul. God was doing extraordinary miracles by the hands of Paul. When we have this heart attitude that we exist for the benefit of others, we have to preach Jesus and demonstrate his power and love to those we come in contact with. Can I say it's not enough just to preach Jesus? We have to preach, and I know that sounds like heresy because Jesus is enough, and he is the point. But if we're preaching Jesus, then we have to demonstrate his love through signs and wonders and power and healing and letting him minister to others. That's why he said, wait for the Holy Spirit to come. That's why he said, one who will come, the helper, the counselor, who will lead you into all truth, that, that dwells in us. Being a base church is not about declaring how good we are and all the programs we can offer. It's about declaring the truth about Jesus in the power of the Spirit and allowing him to transform lives. We have to be full of the Spirit to minister in the power of the Spirit. So we like to talk about ministering in the power of the Spirit, but to do that, we actually have to be full of the Spirit. We, we have to be being filled with the Spirit. It's not just a one-off, I got saved, somebody prayed for me, I was baptized, and that's good enough until I go to be with Jesus. If we're going to reach others, if we're going to be the church that God's called us to be, we have to be being filled with the Spirit. And that's not Sunday to Sunday. That's day to day. That's being full to overflowing. That's being aware of His presence. That's when we, when we walk by somebody on the street and God goes, stop. That we go, oh, okay, like, what do you want to do? Not that we have a formula. We don't have a formula for outreach or a formula for praying for somebody on the street. The formula is, is simple. We don't have a formula, but if we did, it was simply this. What is Jesus saying? What is the Spirit doing? What is he showing us? What, is he, what does he want to say? We can't persuade people to follow Jesus or argue them into the kingdom. I went out, uh, we, we go out on the street every month as a church and we, we pray for people. And uh, not that that's the only way to outreach, but it does keep you sharp. If you've never done it, you should do it because everything, there's lots of great theory about how you should pray for the sick and how you should minister the gospel and how you can do deliverance. 
and until you like are standing face to face with somebody in the street, and then it goes, oh my gosh, you suddenly realize what you know, not what you've been told. We have great teaching on deliverance in the church in a sanitized place, and we can take them out the back to a, to a quiet room so that they're not embarrassed. It's very different when you start to pray for somebody on the street, and they start manifesting and spitting at you here, and there is no side room, and there's a crowd gathering around now, <laughs> which is actually what Jesus' ministry often looked like. What was I saying? Oh, yes, we went on the streets last week, and uh, I, I went with a, a guy, and he, he had a very good argument to, like, persuade people to come to Jesus. But half the guys we talked to were high. Half the guys, like, didn't want to talk to us. He only got halfway into his, his pitch. And I was like, let's just pray for him. And some guys need, need like, the, you know, the kind of, here's the, here's the rundown. But more often than not, people need to encounter his presence. They just need to know that he's even real. So people are like, oh, how do you know God's real? How, you know, how can you prove who God is? Well, let me show you. You can't see the wind, but you see the effects of the wind. You can feel the wind. You can see it in the trees. Do you want to feel the presence of God right now? If you're full of the Holy Spirit, then I guarantee he's going to come in that moment. Literally, we were praying for a couple. I know I'm taking, I'm taking too long. I'm getting off track, but I'm going to tell you this story. We were praying for a couple, and uh, the, she was about to go to jail. She was in between having been to court and then going back to get her, um, her sentencing, and she was going to jail. So, and the, the guy had just tried to fight Paul um, Zanardo, who some of you guys know has been here to minister. He literally just tried to fight him on the street. Um, then he got, it was a misunderstanding. He settled down and said, let's pray, for, let's, can we pray for you? Do this thing about the wind. And literally, so Gabby and I are standing there, just grab their hands, and she says, Holy Spirit, would you come? And this guy, I'm not joking you. And he wasn't high. He was like sober. They had just been in court. He goes, whoa, like, and nearly falls over. And he's like, what are you, what was that? And she goes, well, we just asked the Holy Spirit to come. And, she, and he goes, that was amazing. And he goes, she goes, well, and she just starts praying for more. Then the partner starts manifesting. Um, then there was some demonic stuff. And so we start telling about Jesus. And it was a bit of a back and forth because there was a bit of stuff going on. Um, but she got some freedom. And both of them gave their hearts to the Lord and accepted Jesus as their Lord and Savior. We prayed for the Holy Spirit to fill them. And then they went from there back to court, and she went to jail. Um, and she had, was the one that had the phone. He didn't have a phone, so we actually didn't get in contact with him again. Um, but often we try and get their number and follow them up. The point is this. We couldn't have argued them into anything. They needed a touch right then and there to know that God was real, and they encountered his presence. We have to be full of the Holy Spirit. Jesus sends out the disciples in Matthew 10, verse 7 to 8, and he says, And proclaim as you go, saying, The kingdom of heaven is at hand, he says, heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, cast out demons. You receive without paying, give without pay. Do we still believe this? Because Jesus said it. Because they're very quiet. This is confronting, though, because we like to say, oh, no, we believe what Jesus said. Well, he said, go out, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, heal the sick, and cast out demons. All of us. We need to make room for the Spirit. We need to make room in our meetings for the Spirit to move. We need to make room on the streets and in our workplaces for the Holy Spirit to do what he wants to do. If someone is sick, Jesus wants to heal them. Will you pray? Will everyone else apart from my sister at the back pray? Yes? yes? 
I love it. I love your response. Keep, keep, keep it coming. If someone's tormented, Jesus wants to set them free. Will you be part of that? If someone doesn't have peace, Jesus wants to come be the Prince of Peace. Do we really believe the Spirit of God wants to move in power through us? They preach Jesus in the power of the Holy Spirit. If you don't know how to cast out demons, then come and ask one of the, the elders here to teach you how to cast out demons. And if they don't know how to do it, come and talk to us and I'll teach you how to cast out demons. Really, it's quite easy, but you have to be full of the Holy Spirit. You guys are like, oh my gosh. <laughs> Told you, fasten your seatbelt. I got lots of points. How, how long do you guys go? Don't do I, I, I Okay, this is a pet peeve of mine. When somebody starts preaching and they're like, how long do I have left? And they're like, you should have finished now. And then they're like, no, keep going, keep going. And then, I'm like, and then usually like I'm leading the meeting. I'm like, don't keep going. Like, <laughs> it's time to stop. I don't even know what time we started. Um, we usually have a big clock at the back. Hmm? For me, because I don't keep track of what time. Go till 2 o'clock on a calendar. Good, man. It's like Paul in the upper room. Nobody sit in the windowsill, please. All right, I got a few more points. Can you guys give me, give me a few more minutes? Is that all right? Thirdly, a base church impacts the city and the region. Verse 10 says, This continued for two years so that all the residents of Asia, not just Ephesus, heard the word of the Lord, both Jews and Greeks. What, were they talking, what are they talking about here? Speaking boldly, reasoning, persuading about the kingdom of God, preaching Jesus in the power of the Holy Spirit, continued for two years so that all the residents of the region heard the word of the Lord. Verse 17, this became known to all the residents of Ephesus. Verse 26, and, uh, and you see and hear that not only in Ephesus, but in almost all of Asia, this Paul has persuaded and turned many great people away from worshiping idols. We can't settle for preaching Jesus to the few people that we know. We have to take every opportunity, every open door, every relationship to preach Jesus. When we realize the eternal ramifications of the gospel, how can we not declare it to everyone that we know? When you understand eternity is at stake and God says, would you stop and just love that person, buy him a coffee and tell him I love him. And you're like, no, I'm too busy. I'm on the way to work. I'm running late. Well, maybe you should have left home five minutes earlier. Do we even have buffer in our lives to stop if the Holy Spirit asks us to stop? We have to take every opportunity. Matthew 24, verse 14. And this gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. Acts 1, verse 8. Jesus says, you'll, be, you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all of Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. But too often we focus on our pet area, the area that we like. I'll be a witness in Jerusalem, or I'll be a witness in Judea, or I'll be a witness to the ends of the earth, but don't ask me to do the other one because I'm not comfortable with it. But God calls us as a church to do all at the same time. Think about that. If you're going to be a base church, we're actually called to do all those. Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth at the same time. It, 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 um, we have to hold all four in tension. Reaching our communities, reaching our city, 
reaching the nation, reaching the nations, is something we hold in tension at the, at the same time. We get to send teams to other places, and then they come back and get to share the good report of what God's doing, or the challenges, and how we can pray, and how we can support one another. I mean, we're here right now, while Melbourne Life Church is meeting, and we just had Paul, Paul and Monica in New Zealand for two weeks, and then before that, we had people somewhere, we've had people in lots of places. But it's part of this thing of like, we send, and they come back, and before they send, we pray, and we send them, and when they come back, we get some good report. Hmm? Olaf and Leanna were here last weekend, two weeks ago. What day is it? Who are, who, where are we? Who am I? I want to challenge you today because you are a strong and mature church, and I hope that you are strong enough to receive this challenge. God has blessed you with many mature people, and you are having an impact in your city. It's amazing. But at the same time, God wants to enlarge your sphere of influence and of impact. There are other areas for you to reach. Australia needs you. The nations need you. I believe there's some of you who, who God is calling or will call to the nations for the kingdom. Maybe it's short term. Maybe it's to relocate. Maybe it's to be part of church plants. We got the privilege of sending a couple um, just under a year ago to Romania. And they're in the process of planting a church in Cluj in Romania. A young couple. I think there's some people here, and God's going to stir you. It was, a, it was quite quick, but it was undoubtedly God. It wasn't like a two-year process. It was like within a couple of months, like they had talked to us. God was opening doors. Suddenly the doors were open, and they were going, and we were sending them. And it was like, we got to, literally, this is like, this is an uh, inside look into church. My thought was, we're going to have to change our preaching roster because we need to like, we need to tell the church about them going and interview them. I mean, like, how petty is that? We did change our preaching roster, and we did tell the church, and we did make room. But sometimes we get so locked into this is what's going to happen, and this is where we're going, that when the suddenlies of God happen, we're like, oh, no, my gosh, we're too locked in. Fourthly, a base church release, uh, resources the kingdom. Base church resources the kingdom. That's people who want to release resources. We exist for the kingdom, king and the kingdom, not just for the benefit of ourselves. So we use our resources for the kingdom, not just our local church. We give into the bigger picture. We raise up mature believers and ministers for the kingdom. Have you ever thought that leadership training might not just be for you? Some of you guys go, oh, I don't want to, I don't want to be trained. I don't, want, I don't need to be equipped. I'm never going to be a leader in this church. Maybe God's not calling you to be a leader in this church. Maybe God's calling you to be a leader in the nations. Maybe God's calling you to be a leader in the business place. Maybe you need to grab some kingdom principles to take into your workplace. We continue. We need to keep planting churches and celebrate kingdom business people. Send teams to minister and encourage other churches. You guys have something that you can release to other churches. You're a base church. You'll be a conduit. You'll be a pipe. And what he pours into you, you will pour out. You will pour out people, talents, gifts, finances. Don't store it up. Have a giving hand. Have an open hand. In God's economy, we, re we receive by releasing. Think about that. We get by giving. You might not harvest where you sow but you'll never harvest if you don't sow. Fifthly, a base church trains and releases 
We're called to resource the kingdom, not just our own needs. We're called to, to release to others, to train and release for the sake of the kingdom, not just what we see in front of us, not just the need we see. Raise up leaders, musicians, kingdom business people, kids ministry workers, youth leaders, disciple makers, community changers for the sake of the kingdom. Oh, but we don't need any more discipleship groups. Yeah, but they might not be for you. Oh, we've got enough kids ministry workers. There's never enough kids ministry workers, just so you know. But we've got enough kids ministry workers. Well, maybe, maybe you're going to go on a church plant. Maybe you can go help another church. Oh, we've got a bunch of great, you guys have a bunch of great musicians. We don't need to release any more musicians. Yes, you do. Because there's more places and there's more meetings and there's more gatherings and there's more churches. And you can send them to other churches that don't have any. And base church is for all generations. I won't get into this one because we talked about it on Friday night. And if you weren't here, you can get the recording. But I just want to just share this a little bit. Matthew 19, verse 13 to 14. The children were brought to him, to Jesus that he may lay hands on them and pray. And the disciples rebuke the people. I love the, the disciples are pretty like wild dudes. They're like, no, this is not gonna work. Send the kids away. Um, they rebuke the people. But Jesus said, no, no, let the children come to me and do not hinder them. For to such belong the kingdom of heaven. The disciples didn't understand generations. They wanted to send the kids away. But Jesus says, let the little kids come to me. For to such belongs the kingdom of heaven. I believe the Lord wants to enlarge the ages of people that you're going to reach. Children, families, older people, grandparents. But it may mean that you have to adjust some of the way that you do things to make space for them. Some of you guys might need to get involved. If you had three times as many kids as you have right now, you're going to need more kids ministry workers. You might need some different spaces. Are you willing, for the sake of the kingdom to advance, to say, I will do that job that other people don't necessarily want to do? I think kids' ministry is fun. I mean, Elodie leads our kids' team, and it's very, very fun. I think it's probably one of the best areas in the life of the church to serve in. I, I would go as far as to say, if you think that one day you may plant a church, you have to do kids' ministry. Because if you can't keep the attention of kids for 45 minutes, then you have no business planting a church. If you can't simplify the gospel to the level of a kid, there's no way you're going to be able to get out there and preach the gospel to adults. Because adults are polite, but they just, shut, they just go blank. And kids just go, this is boring. I don't like it. They start rolling around and kicking each other. And then you realize, my preaching is not that interesting. I need to get to the point. A base church has a heart attitude that says we exist for the benefit of others. It preaches Jesus in the power of the Holy Spirit. It impacts the city and region. It resources the kingdom. It trains and releases, and it is for all generations. Would you stand with me this morning? Bless you. My piano playing friend. You play all the right chords. My mind was being blown this morning in worship. I was like, oh my gosh, that's so beautiful. You are blessed with musicians because when, when you're, I mean, I'm used to worshiping, but when you're worshiping and then you're suddenly going, like, no, no, keep your eyes on Jesus because it sounds so great. And you're starting, starting to look around and go, who's playing that beautiful sound? That's when you know you're blessed with good musicians.
I really felt this morning when I was praying. I want to pray for, for all of us, for this heart of that we exist for the benefit of others. But I really felt that God wanted to refresh and pour out his spirit afresh this morning. And it came through in our prayer time before, and it came through in the worship. Um, and so there's two things. If you've never been baptized in the Holy Spirit, this morning is the time. There's, I mean, any time is the time, because he wants to fill you. The time, and, and it, uh, you know, I can pray for you, but, but there's going to be a lot of other people who can pray as well. There's a great team here. But even if you have been baptized in the Holy Spirit and you're just feeling dry, you just need refreshing, you need a fresh touch from heaven. Maybe you've been in the battle. It feels like you've been travailing and you feel dry and you feel weary. He wants to pour out his spirit again. He wants to refresh you again. So can I pray for all of us? And I'm going to ask you to respond. Lord, I thank you that this church has been called to be a base church. That these people in this room that you have added, that you're stirring them for a greater release of impact, of anointing, of discipleship, of seeing salvation come. And so, Lord, I pray right now that we would have hearts to say yes. We'd have hearts to say, yes, we exist for the benefit of others. I'm not here just for what I can get out of it. I'm here because you want to use me to reach others. Enlarge our hearts, Lord. Lord, I pray, Lord, as Brooke Fraser wrote, Lord, break our hearts for what breaks yours. Lord, everything we are for your kingdom's cause. And I thank you that it's not in our own strength. But it's by your anointing. It's by your power. If you're here this morning and you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life, before we respond for being filled with the Holy Spirit, because for you this can be both at the same time. But I believe that today is the day for you to make the most important decision you've ever made. Maybe you've come to church before, maybe you've sat in church, but you actually haven't said, I want to follow Jesus. If that's you, would you lift up your hand right now? I would love to pray with you. And the Bible says that all of heaven celebrates when one person responds. Let's take a moment. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. All right, if you need a fresh infilling of the Holy Spirit, or if you've never been baptized in the Holy Spirit, Paul's first question when he found the disciples in Ephesus was, have you received the Holy Spirit? I'm going to say, you cannot do what we've just talked about without the power of the Spirit in you. So I don't know if you guys are used, if you guys do this like as far as response, but I'm going to ask you to. If that's you, I'm going to ask you to get out of your seat, come to the front, because it requires a response from us. God can fill you where you are, but if we're going to be a people who step out of our comfort zones, why not here in a safe place? So that's you right now. Would you come to the front? And we're going to pray. And then we're, we're, we're going to release and that, you know, people can go. Um, but I'm sure there's some, some people who need to be filled. Don't let the fear of man or the fear of what other people around you might think stop you from coming forward. Awesome. Come on. Come on. Come now. Come now. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. God's going to fill. It's an exciting morning. Let's come up. Let's come up.
Thank you, Lord. I'm sure there's some of the team here that can come and pray for these guys. We're going to wade in and pray as well. Wade in. I'm going to wade off of the stage and start praying. I'm sure there's more. Come, 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 come. God wants to fill you. Yeah, come on. You know, you can always have more. That's the beautiful thing about his presence. You can always have more. We're going to pray. Can I encourage you to participate? To be part of praying for this. Don't become spectators right now. You need to lift out your hands. Pray for these guys. <laughs> I'm just asking Tim uh, what he wants to do because I think it's good to administrate these moments well. Um, if you need to still respond, come and respond. If you need to go, we realize that, uh, that people have things that are on, and feel free to go. Um, we're just going to keep ministering to these guys. Um, if you have kids in the kids' church, please don't forget to go get them. Um, they're your kids, not our kids. Uh, one of them is mine, but um, go get them. But if you need to respond, there's still time to respond. You can come forward. It's not too late. It's not too late. I'm going to pray for fresh and filling. If you want to be a part of praying, come stretch your hands out and pray but if you need to go don't feel like you're being dishonoring um, by slipping out if you need to